Show starts in two minutes. It's Friday night. You step off the train, and as you turn the corner, the square is awash in purple and pink neon. Towering overhead, the unmistakable Art Deco sign. You walk through the doors, buy a ticket, grab your popcorn, and head into the theater. It's a time capsule. Red seats beneath a red curtain. But it's the elaborate ceiling and box seats that grab your eye. The last of the crowd shuffles in, the lights dim, and the curtains part. Of the many things I miss while isolating at home, going out to the movies makes a strong case for landing somewhere near the top of that list. And for me, there's no better place than the Coolidge Corner Theater. The nonprofit independent movie house opened in 1933 during the Great Depression and has been a landmark in the city of Boston ever since. But as non-essential businesses were ordered to close, it left many in the film industry wondering if it meant end credits for theaters. So I talked with Catherine Tallman, the executive director of the Coolidge Corner Theater, about their recent pivot to Virtual Screen Room, an online home rental system that directly supports the theater and brings the highly curated films folks have come to expect right into their living rooms. Catherine tells me how she made that decision and whether this bizarre, grand experiment in direct-to-streaming film distribution will forever change the theater-going experience. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. This let's is The Gross Show. The so a lot of people are sitting at home right now, social distancing, could value your expertise from just a sheer lover of film standpoint. I'm curious if we can begin with the favorite film that you've seen during isolation or social distancing. I can say the film that I've enjoyed a lot lately is a Norwegian documentary called The Painter and the Thief. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's an amazing true story. And it just was, it was different and interesting. The other thing that I actually found interesting is we came across Casablanca. And, you know, as soon as you see this anything on Casablanca, you can't move away from it. And... Toward the end, when Humphrey Bogart says, let's face it, the problems of three people in the world don't mean a hill of beans to anything else. And I thought that was just so right on for right now. It's like, yes, let's yeah. all think about the bigger picture. Isn't it funny how, yeah, though, you can bring back a story into current days and, and it'll mean something entirely different to you or it'll hit you in an entirely different way. I used to love that about the Coolidge Corner, by the way. So my my Coolidge Corner theater stories is I've I've been there to see midnight showings of John Cusack movies. Oh wow! My husband is a very big fan of the movie Tron, the original one, and yeah. that's not playing in theaters anytime soon. So for his uh, his birthday one year, I rented sort of your private viewing room for. A, a replaying of Tron. It was the, the best birthday he ever had. Oh, that so. is fabulous. It means so much that you've been at the theater because you get it. Oh, it's such an amazing experience. For our listeners who haven't been to this incredible theater, can you just give a little bit of history behind Coolidge Corner Theater and paint the picture for us about what the experience is like inside? Sure. I mean, it has quite a history, quite a remarkable history. The building was built in 1906 as a church, it was converted to a um, cinema 
1933, much to the angst of all the community members who <laughs> thought it was going to like damage youth and make them immoral and they should be playing outside. And now here we are um, 87 years later. There were a lot of bumps along the road. There were a lot of great things out at the beginning, the heydays of the movies. And then this theater got, um, you know, certainly was was impacted by things like the onset of videotapes and streaming, and but more importantly, sure. and um, and you might know this from being in the area, and it almost was demolished in in the late '80s. The cinema business in general had become really overtaken by big boxes, and it was just hard to sustain in a, a small movie theater. So the yeah. owner of the building planned to sell it. A developer bought it and planned to raise it. The community got together and said, oh my gosh, this can't happen to our theater. They did this, which I think about now. There was no internet then. There was nothing. They did. They just went from door to door with flyers and literally stood on soapboxes in the park. They raised wow. enough money to have a bank say that the bank would give them a mortgage. Then the savings and loan crisis hit. The bank said, we can't do that. Um, it looked like it was going to, it really went down to the last minute. Then another developer came in, bought the building, and put it into a charitable foundation, and the Cinema College Corner Theater could start again as a nonprofit wow. foundation. That was 30-plus years ago. We actually, last year was such an amazing year because we celebrated the 30th anniversary of that, and everybody was just flying high on how great things were. I think that's so amazing because so a lot of the companies that we've been talking with this season this is their first real financial crisis, their first experience going through something that threatens the existence or the future of their businesses. Coolidge Corner has been through this and re sort of reinvented itself um, as a nonprofit and thrived afterwards. So I think that's a really interesting turn of history to have and learn from. It is, and it's certainly not to say that once you get through it, you're through it forever because we're confronted with a challenge now. Fortunately, we're in a lot better financial shape than the theater ever was before, so we're coming into this with um, some cash reserves, with an even stronger community support base. So we'll be okay for a while. I'm confident that we'll be back and we'll continue forward. And we actually were planning to launch a public campaign for an expansion of the theater like next month. So I still believe that we'll come back, we'll be strong, yeah. and we'll grow. But it's definitely, there are challenges right now that nobody ever anticipated. All right, so fast forward to March 31st, when in Massachusetts, all non-essential businesses were ordered to close. Where were you that day? What was your first experience of that news? Well, I can tell you that we actually generated our own news. On March 6th, I was in the office I was leaving for vacation the next morning. I went to the office. I could see all these things were kind of happening. So I was there printing these big signs saying, wash your hands and putting hand gel everywhere. And our staff yes. is taking extra precautions and don't come in if you're sick. That was like on a Saturday. On Monday, I was kind of, of course, was staying in touch and I was hearing more. On Tuesday, we had a phone call. We have a board member who is an MD. We were talking to epidemiologists about what should we be doing. At that point, it was like, you should think about social distancing. By Thursday, everything was happening so fast. I called an executive committee of my board and I said, we need to talk about this. Friday afternoon, Friday the 13th, we decided at four o'clock that we would close at six that night. Wow. Initially, we got a lot of kudos from our 
community about making the decision early. We actually were opening a new, a new film that night at seven and we had to tell people, sorry, we're closing right now. Do you miss it? Like, do you miss going in and being part of the physical oh, location? Yeah, I really miss being there. I miss my team in person. I miss the customers. I miss seeing movies. I love movies. Yeah. It's so much more than a building. So you go there, the building is still there. Movie House One is still there. I have been back and I have walked in and I'm like, boy, you know, I would love to be in here. But it's it's nothing without people. It's mm-hmm. what makes it is the people that are in the room. It's the music that's playing when you're getting ready for a movie. It's saying hello to your friends. It's that buzz. It's that anticipation. So right now it feels like I always call Movie House the Grand Dame. It's like she's just waiting patiently <laughs> for people to come back, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about it. I can hear it in your voice, the, the care that you have for, for the building and the community that you've built. I should mention too, as soon as we closed, we started getting a bunch of donations. Um, our community has always been supportive. Yeah. But in this case, they really just started pouring in and they were generally higher than our usual donations for annual appeal. They were coming from new donors, people from all over the country that we didn't even really necessarily know. Um, a lot of notes attached to those that were really, you know, that's what could bring you to tears is seeing just yeah. a little sticky note on a $25 check that says, for the staff. And so the community support was there and that certainly that certainly helped. That's incredible. Uh, we started a program which was interesting. It's called Coolidge Curates, where for $10 you can send an email and to our staff and you can say, these are the genres I like, these are three films I really liked, and a Coolidge staff member will get back to you with three film suggestions. Oh, that's incredible, especially for right now as people are getting to the bottom of their cues when it comes to the videos they're watching. Well, it's also what's interesting is I work with a bunch of film nuts, right? So they're able to actually, people, they have masters in film, they're actually able to use their curatorial skills and it, that has brought a lot of fun to them. But in yeah. any, so in, so those are $10. We've gotten a donation attached to almost every one of those. So it's like yeah. anytime somebody has an opportunity to transact with us, they add something onto it. I guess in the meantime, before it comes back, you've started offering uh, this virtual screen room. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where that idea came from? We would have had no idea that this was in our future. And it came about because one of the independent film distributors offered our booker, we have a booking agent we've worked with for years, and said, we have these films we were planning to distribute. We have nowhere to put them now. Do you think you would want to show them virtually from your website? And we said, absolutely, let's give it a try. Yeah. Um, So we started with those two and then a number of other distributors jumped in and now we're supporting this is the interesting part for our staff we've turned into a digital exhibition company we have a help desk that's literally personed by three staff members who really (laughs) who have turned from cinephiles into tech support um (laughs) it's like we've we've become this this quick little startup digital distribution firm overnight what were some of the questions that you had to address or challenges you had to overcome on the road to that um, that's a really good question. Well, the, when it first happened, we had to, of course, um, change our website, um, not just to say, hey, we're doing it this way instead of that way. W- the whole industry got reversed because we're used to getting a digital file of a film, showing it, 
collecting the money for the tickets and giving the the distributor's portion of the tickets to them. Yeah. In this case, now they, each one of them individually, sends a link to their individual films, and we have to lead our customers through that experience and untangle all their technical issues along the way. So getting just the operational component up was quite a challenge. In the meantime, we were still doing ongoing promotions and updates. So I want to recap for a moment uh, some of the details about how the virtual screening room works. Anyone can go to www.coolidge.org and the virtual screening room option will come up. You can look at what options are available. There are first-run films and there are, I think, an interesting part that I want to talk about is we also started offering film seminars. So we used to do these in the theater and we would have one every couple of months. We'd have one attached to a big screen classic. We could only have 45 people in the room because we were space constrained. So we we used this platform to put out our first seminar, which was Rear Window. And it was taught by a local film professor. And the format is the professor gives a short, um, we put up a short introductory video then the customer goes off and watches the film on their own, and we provide ways to do that. And then every Thursday night at 8 o'clock, we now have a moderated discussion with someone about that film of the week. So the first one was Rear Window. We had yeah. over 200 people, which we can only have 45 usually. We had someone call in from Peru, and they've just been great. We're having our 10th one tomorrow. It will be Fellini's Eight and a Half. Unbelievable. Taught by a film instructor, Andre Puka. Those have been, I think, the most meaningful in terms of feeling like you're still interacting in a theater experience because it's a live, moderated discussion. And some of the voices you hear are familiar voices that are asking questions. Yeah. What I've learned from this, too, is that our staff, which has always been fantastic, they are they are just full of surprises. I mean, they're always smart. They're always dedicated. They're always nimble and creative. But no one could have guessed if we sat back at that day and said, hey, you know, 10 weeks from now, you're going to be doing this. Um, And I would be thinking like, nah, I don't think so. And I like exactly who is going to do that. I've seen skills and commitment come out of people that are just like, I shouldn't say astounding. They're always committed and they're always smart. But who knew that people had all these different talents? They didn't. They didn't go to school for them. Yeah. They just figured it out. That's the the old necessity is the mother of innovation uh, saying. And it's exactly see, and it's also the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think we see that. I certainly see that um, a lot more in this nonprofit world, where people are just there. You know, we have a we have a very kind of loose management structure. In fact. Like the management now is harder for me than it ever has been because I'm used to working with a great team of people and we all work closely together. There's really no hierarchy. We work in a small environment. We're in and out of each other's offices. We communicate quickly. Now we have to set up Zoom calls. We're all in different places. Um, all All the things that we're dealing with are completely different, except for we are now, because of the virtual screening room, we now have a weekly program curation meeting, which we always had before. And so now it's it's just, it's interesting. We are back to, quote, normal on that. These are the yeah. films that are coming up. These are the films we want to drop. What do we want to bring in? Um, so that part is the same. That's kind of nice as a thread of continuity between 
the before time and today. Um, one interesting piece going forward when, you know, a typical question will be, will you continue it going forward? Um, some of the independent distributors are thinking about that, um, pursuing what they're calling a duplex model, where they would show films theatrically and also make some of the smaller films because you know, there are a lot of films that never get shown theatrically because there's just not enough screens for them. So there still could be a potential place for those films to be um, to be seen in um, at home and maybe before they go to a streaming service. But it's not something we'd focus on. The one thing that we would keep, or that I'm almost certain we will keep, is the film seminars because they've that just was my been next great. Question. And we're getting at least 100 people every week. And not only is that much more um, financially good for us, it's really so much more engagement good. It's great to have all these people be able to partake in these seminars. Yeah. So you really sort of stumbled on something that could be a future hybrid model for you. That's really interesting. I think even as businesses start to reopen, which we're starting to be on the horizon of that, the, the world after that reopening will still look very different for a long time. Does that personally worry you? How do you think about that? Um, well, in terms of, to go back a bit to, you know, what I'm working on right now, one of the things I'm really starting to focus on, it's been like a, a thing looming in the back, is the preparedness plan to reopen. A big challenge for any business, but, but particularly us, you know, our business is built on bringing people in together into a small space. And going in there and measuring six feet in any direction and figuring out how many people we can get in there and how to get them in and how to get them out and how to be clean all the time and make people not just really meet the protocols, which of course we'll do, but help people really understand what we're doing and and engendering the trust of people. That's what will bring people back. I know that will happen, but it will happen incrementally. It won't be we'll be fortunate if we can get 25% of our seat capacity filled in the yeah. first few months. Yeah, because there's, re- there's reopening and then there's also people's appetite for coming back into that kind of a setting again. No question. And, and I'm so glad that we are, we in Massachusetts in general, but also um, the Coolidge and other arts venues, we see theaters opening um, in, in parts of the country, for example, um, we also have, well, we have the advantage of the fact that this virus started in Asia. And so now I'm a lot, much more focused on global data and kind of the global industry perspective, which I hadn't really looked at that much before. So we're seeing audiences return to cinemas in those countries. And, and between that and then the cinemas that open on the earlier side here, we have the great benefit of being able to see their experience and learn from yeah. their experience before we open the door and take a step in. I guess another question that I would um, be curious to get your thoughts on is, you know, there's been sort of this this nationwide test for studios to release their films uh, digitally on the first day as opposed to going through the traditional theater route. Do you think that that is going to continue after this fact? Do you feel like this is that's still a short-term interim phase that we'll pivot back from after all of this? I think, I think it's limited. Um, it, I think it's short-term, and even within that short-term, it's limited. There is no way Christopher Nolan is going to put Tenet out on streaming. 
or Wes Love Anderson that. or any yeah. of, you know, I mean, it's even like the deals with streaming studios in general. They're the ones that are putting the money behind films now. And you have directors like Martin Scorsese saying, you know, I want to do this film, but I want theatrical exhibition. And right. so that piece, I don't think that theatrical exhibition is going to go away. The studios, they they need that. They I think it's a big part of their financial return. Films are very expensive to make. And once you put it on a streaming platform, you know, yeah, I don't really know the economics, but it's certainly not the same as having big blockbuster weekends one after another and collecting X percent of the ticket revenue. Yeah. So when you th- look to your own theater, you've got the workshops going, you've got the virtual screening rooms, you've got de- donations coming in, which is great. Is that going to be enough or is there another you know, layer that you'll need to add in here, another sort of innovation or pivot that will need to be folded in? We continue to think about everything from an engagement perspective. So we're looking for a place to put up a drive-in for three months. Oh, wow. And so, you know, all of a sudden we're working on that. One thing that we're in the process of doing, and and we got this idea from other um, independent theaters, which is curbside concessions. So we know people love our popcorn. You probably (laughs) love our popcorn popcorn yourself. So we're putting together curbside concessions. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll have it Here's another whole set of activities that the staff had to figure out, right? I mean, how can we take orders? How can we keep everything, um, you know, masks and gloves and social distancing? Yeah. But we're, how do we get it up on our, I say the website, it's really the technical underpinnings, the operational underpinnings that have to be um, tweaked for all this. You know, how do we figure out the packages? How are they priced? How do we load them? Then we'll start to promote them and then we'll start delivering them you know, at the back of the theater. So people will have our popcorn. And and again, I, we don't model it from a financial standpoint. We just want, we, we know we'll make some money on it, but we mostly want people coming back. And personally, I can't wait to be one of those people passing yeah. out those bags because I want to see people. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about loving seeing old John Cusick movies there. I think even broader than that, Coolidge has meant a great deal to the Boston arts and film community. And I wonder if you could speak a bit about the the role that you've played there and the promise of that for young filmmakers and for audiences beginning their infatuation with film. We call ourselves a community cultural center. It's always been much more than a cinema. It's certainly an economic driver in that area. And we do so much more than films. We have the ongoing discussions with filmmakers. We have panel discussions on tough topics, like one of the panel discussions now that we'll put out that we've done before is we showed I Am Not Your Negro. We had a great panel discussion about James Baldwin. We have that recorded. Perfect time to put that back out and help people understand the power of film. The Mass Cultural Council has long given the Coolidge operating support um, in recognition of the fact that it is an arts organization. We just received a $200,000 grant from the Mass Cultural Council. So here we are dealing with today, like, you know, batting away and dealing with everything that we've got going. And at the same time, we can look ahead to the not-too-distant future and see that we're going to have more screens, a big education space. And I always think of film as... It's, it's such a democratic art form, not that everybody can afford to go to the movies, but it's the price of a movie and the experience of seeing a film 
with other people is really pretty affordable compared to most other forms of entertainment these days. Yeah. And then, of course, we, we do have a number of partnerships. We partner with the Huntington Theater Company to do a stage and screen. We'll show a film that is compatible with a play that they have. We'll have Brookline Music Center um, students come and perform before one of our cinema jukebox films. So we're always trying to blend in the different arts and bring in a lot of different community organizations. You're doing a lot, Catherine. I, you know, I think that the, the amount of innovation that you've done in a short period of time to keep the engagement happening and the sense of community flowing, even well separated, I think is really remarkable. So thank you for taking the time to walk us through some of it. Thank you so much for asking. You gave me a great opportunity to reflect and to share. I really appreciate it, Megan. Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown with music from Tyler Litwin and Synchronize. Additional editing help came from Isis Madrid. You can learn more about Virtual Screening Room and treat yourself to some of the important films Coolidge Corner is currently offering over at the theater's website. As always, I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and stay safe out there.